So I sat down recently and rewatched movie 19, uh, Hoopa and the Clash of Ages, and I've always enjoyed it. It's, it's certainly not near my favorite Pokemon movies, but there's a lot of little things about it that really quite get me, and, and that seems to be a trend with a lot of the more recent ones, is there's a lot of small things that I really appreciate if the entire movie as a whole doesn't get me. But I was just really struck by the way Ash handled himself in this film. Because it feels like there's like eight or ten legendary Pokemon running around that movie. And Ash is like commanding them, like showing them respect, but leading them into battle and giving them orders and all sorts of interesting things. And just the way he, again, just handles himself in that crisis. Like I think when we talked about movie five, I... I mentioned that I felt like Ash had sort of leveled up in his hero skills and like just his ability to take charge of a situation and not be the underdog hero, but be the guy that everybody looks to and is like, that guy's going to save us kind of a thing. Hoopa in the Clash of Ages, man. Like, don't even tell me that kid isn't a Pokemon master because I'm pretty sure what he did in that movie was the definition of Pokemon mastery. And there was some epic stuff going down, like, Ash turned his hat back for this movie. Like, he was fighting legendaries and commanding legendaries. There was mega evolution going on. Like, I just love Ash's ability to pull together in a crisis. The, that kid is unstoppable. And just proves, like, he is brilliant when the situation's not actually about him. If it's his own gym battle, his own mom in danger... You know, maybe maybe he's going to stumble and falter. Maybe he won't win the tournament. If it's not actually about him, he's, he's going to save the world and it's not even going to be a big deal. <laughs> but anyway, we have like years before we get to discussing that movie in depth, uh, according to our schedule. So hello, you're listening to Peacappy Podcast. It's a Pokemon anime podcast, if you couldn't tell. And what we do here is talk about everything in the Pokemon anime. Every episode, every movie, every shift in Ash's character development. And it's been kind of a fluky couple months, but I'm planning to knock out a bunch of episodes tonight. Late night Pokemon binge podcasting. But with the flukes and personal issues and stuff that have kept me from updating, I've also apparently gotten something out of order. You guys pointed out to me that the Blue Badge of Courage should have taken place later than uh, Showdown at the Oak Corral. And so that episode from Pokemon Chronicles is the one I'm going to cover first today. I don't know how I screwed it up in my notes. I must have been looking at the months wrong. But today we're going to cover Showdown at the Oak Corral, uh, figure out what life is like for everybody who's not currently on a journey with Ash. 
Also, from a past episode, I asked a question of what do you think is the awesomest moment, the crowning moment of awesome in the Pokemon series, some of the greatest moments. Uh, Pokemon Crossroads wrote back with uh, Ash battling Brandon for the Battle Frontier, and Ash and Infernape's growth during Sinnoh, which is not exactly a moment, but I'm going to count it because, yeah, that character arc, like, just was such a great time to be a Pokemon fan. Another awesome thing that wasn't officially sent into this podcast as fan mail, uh, but I think should still count, the Pokemon uh, company put out an official English language version of the Magikarp song, which is a song that both hurts my heart and also makes it fly. It's been a long-standing thing on this show. Magikarp is my favorite Pokemon, and it does not need to evolve to be great. If only other people could recognize its glory. But that happened, and then there's the thing on Twitter with the the dude that took on the entire Elite Four in Kalos with, with his shiny Magikarp. One shiny Magikarp? Like, that beats out my crystal team of six. I do not know this trainer, I've never met them, but I, I feel we are kindred spirits, and well done! See, if you work hard about the things you're passionate about, you can achieve great things. You, too, can command a pixelated floppy fish to glory. Poke Press has also been putting out some videos. Uh, they sponsor this show, and they've been putting out uh, their versions of the discussion that we had about perfume and in excess, and what life would be like if they had ever done songs for the Pokemon franchise. So if you missed that on my Patreon, you can pick up some parts of our discussion on Steven's YouTube channel at Poke Press. Um, there's also unboxing for the Alola single and Record Store Day 2017. You can also follow the Poke Press Digest podcast um, covering Anime Milwaukee, Oceana International Competition, or visit their blog at pokepress.blogspot.com for an interview from the Pokemon Sun and Moon Guardians Rising pre-release. It's basically just a really good time to be a Pokemon fan. Like, Pokemon has been killing it with getting new things out there and trying new things, and there's just so much content from all corners of the Pokemon franchise that and then of course all the the podcasters and the fans and everybody you know reporting on it and making more creative things because of the thing we love like it's just goodness it makes me want to step up my game like there is so much happening it's not even July we're still a good month and a half away from our movie but anyway like I said there is so much stuff going on currently and kind of in the past. I've been covering Pokemon Adventures on the Patreon, and right now we are covering Pokemon Chronicles. Uh, so I'll give you all the links to all the fun stuff I just mentioned when we get to the end of the episode, and that episode is Showdown at the Oak Corral. So today deals with some daily life at Professor Oak's laboratory, and every now and then we get an episode about that, and it seems... Things are running smoothly. Bayleaf is adjusting to her home and life without Ash. Um, she tends to take that separation pretty hard, but she seems to be doing well and is helping out with the chores and finding her place. And, and Bulbasaur presides over his kingdom. Noctowl is kind of keeping an eye out for security, as well it should. It, it's got to stay on top of that stuff, because if not, who's going to be the one called upon to go find stolen stuff and or Pokemon? Noctowl. It's a hazard of the job when you're a flying Pokemon on Ketchum's team. Um, but Tracy's doing well. He's learning to cook and make his own Pokemon recipes. 
Um, and Professor Oak is actually finding downtime to indulge his love for Pokemon poetry. And this is more of a dub edit. Like, I don't think he actually works on a poem at all that whole episode in the original version. Uh, but but still, I, I can see Okido spouting poems on a typical day. Like, this is one of his signature traits. Um, and on the edges of the corral are Butch and Cassidy, Team Rocket grunts and rivals to Jesse and James. They've just landed a helicopter on the property and are going all undercover and stealthy. What do they plan to steal? All the Pokeballs. After all, not all the Pokemon are roaming the corral at the same time, like, for whatever reason. Um, a lot of them are stored in Pokeballs in the meantime, and I think Professor Oak rotates them out or whatever. Um, and it's because it, it's not just Ash and Gary, presumably, who store Pokemon here. And then they've also got the wild Pokemon who kind of live in the area. So, yeah, it's probably a space issue. But whatever the case, some of them remain in their Pokeballs during the day instead of being out. So if someone could sneak in, that would be a pretty easy haul. The only humans really manning the fort are Professor Oak and Tracy. Um, of course, I would not discount the Pokemon, but it seems like a pretty easy target for Butch and Cassidy. So while they set up their plan, uh, Tracy's work gets interrupted by someone I was not expecting to see this episode. The Magikarp salesman! Hi, dude! And while the fact that Magikarp does not, in fact, lay golden eggs like, is problem enough, but Tracy and Professor Oak are also very staunchly against Pokemon poaching and selling Pokemon in general. Much as I love the Magikarp salesman, I can't say his business is in any way a reputable means of acquiring a Pokemon. Like, I don't think he's done anything criminal, per se, but still... The professor clearly finds the idea of buying and selling Pokemon icky, and it enrages Tracy, and there are not many things in this series that have made Tracy mad. Like, the boy's not exactly chill all the time, but he doesn't blow his top so often. So when he hears another knock at the door, he's ready to unleash his prepubescent fury on the Magikarp salesman and teach him a lesson, but this time it's Mrs. Ketchum. Delia and Mr. Mime came by with cookies. What good neighbors. So they share the cookies, and Bulbasaur and some other Pokemon are noticing some very unusual Pokemon running around the corral. A golem and a Nidoqueen who look just a little bit uncanny valley and, you know, don't speak any Pokemon language. Like, it's Butch and Cassidy and, you know, a pretty good disguise, but... Something's just a little weird, and you can see Bulbasaur shaking his head, like, whatever, Gary's Pokemon are all a bunch of weirdos, just let them do their thing. Like, I don't know. He's not thinking hostile takeover, so good on you, Butch and Cassidy. You, your craftsmanship is excellent. You might edge out Jesse and James in today's cosplay competition. Though I must say, those two have enough charisma stats to sell any disguises. Well, Totodile gets a bit more interactive. It wants to play with Nidoqueen and Golem and shoots them with its water gun, only to find that this Golem has developed a very interesting defense attack. It grows a satellite dish out of its shell to defect, deflect the water back to Totodile. So its attempt at making friends is shot down. They weren't very nice to play with anyway. It's going to be okay, Totodile. 
Um, but finally, there's an Oddish who sees Butch and Cassidy only half-dressed in their costumes and runs back to tell Bulbasaur, and who's like, this explains a lot. Sheesh, Ash isn't even in town. I thought I was done with this. Like, it is the number one perk of living at the corral. You don't have to deal with Team Rocket every day. Like, what a bummer. Like, Cyndaquil's out there minding its own business. This is the off-season. I'm on vacation, and it gets stepped on by Cassidy. Butch uses a fire extinguisher on it. And then Bulbasaur and Oddish run up like, Come on, Cindy, you're being called into active duty. Let's go to work. It's like, come on. This place's major selling point is you don't have to deal with the crap that comes with Ash's Pokemon journey. You go to the corral, you shouldn't have to fight Team Rocket, but no. Uh, but by the way, Ash should look into whether or not he can get a fire extinguisher registered as a held item. Because according to Cyndaquil's Spiral Fainted Eyes, that was a one-hit KO. But anyway, the gang goes back to rally the humans, and we hear Delia talking about how she loves Petalburg City and has always wanted to see a zigzagoon. So, hmm. Uh, but Professor Oak is unavailable. So, that's no help. Bulbasaur's like, whatever, I'm gonna get knocked owl. Which I should have done in the first place. <laughs> um, and Bulbasaur also stops asking politely. Like, when they find Tracy, Bulbasaur just grabs him with vine whip. Like, come with me, things are happening. Uh, but Noctowl finds Butch and Cassidy really easily. Uh, they're breaking into the lab, and so leads Bulbasaur, Tracy, and the gang over. And admittedly, Butch and Cassidy are doing quite well with the burglary thing. They, they've, they've got some stuff to prove concerning Jesse and James, so good for them. <laughs> and it helps that the Pokeball storage room doesn't even have an alarm on it. Uh, they manage to steal all the Pokeballs by the time Professor Oak gets in to check on that. Which has got to be a slam for Bulbasaur, like, you wouldn't listen to me, but sure you'll listen to Tracy. Stupid humans only club. <laughs> well, Tracy and Professor Oak think about it. It looks like the work of Team Rocket, but Jesse and James aren't really capable of doing something like this without leaving some bumbling calling card. Like, they like people to know that they've robbed them. <laughs> so, and anyway, they've been bothering Ash all week, so it must be another team. Well, there were plenty of Pokemon not in Pokeballs at the time, like Ash's 30 Tauros alone could be a useful force, and all of the Pokemon here have a vested interest in finding their friends and defending their home. So they're like, yes, we will help you track down the thieves. Particularly Ash's Pokemon, they are pros at this. Which is going to help, because part of that experience comes from seeing through disguises. Or at least, the hindsight that comes after being fooled by disguises. Because Butch and Cassidy are counting on the professor and company to be on the lookout for humans dressed in black, carrying Pokeballs, not a Nido Queen and a Golem hanging around with a giant muck, which is how they disguised their cart of Pokeballs. Like, those fools wouldn't anticipate us using a disguise! We're so original! And maybe at any other laboratory, that would be a great plan, but they're up against people who fought Jesse and James. Like, the idea of a disguise, while very effective, is not so novel. Knocked Owl, at the very least, has already been considering it and looking through their costumes with its perception, looking through various camouflage things to find their getaway helicopters, so there's that. There's also the downside for Butch and Cassidy in that their costumes may be a little too good. 
they pass a Needle King who sees Cassidy's Needle Queen costume and is like, Hey there, honey, haven't seen you around before. And starts following her and hugging and won't stop even when she shoves him off. Like, man, I hope this isn't what Gary's Needle Queen has to deal with on a regular basis. But clearly, love is in the air at the Poke Corral or something, because Ash's muck sees that cart of Pokeballs disguised as a muck and is like, I must know you better, friend, and just glomps it. So, two points scored for Professor Oak's corral, and none of them were even trying yet. Um, but that's Knocked Owl's cue, who is again on the lookout for disguises specifically. And it finds the Team Rocket Chopper covered in camouflage, so once it tells Tracy, Bayleaf, and Bulbasaur about that, Butch and Cassidy won't be making a getaway. So they get to work surrounding the chopper. Um, unfortunately, thanks to Totodile wanting to play, Butch and Cassidy do get the Pokeballs away from Muck. Uh, but like I said, the whole corral is now gathered around the helicopter, so they're not going anywhere. Surrounded, uh, Professor Oak, Tracy, Delia, all the Pokemon... Butch and Cassidy are are caught, so they have to either surrender to the police or fight their way out. And one thing Team Rocket doesn't do is surrender. So Butch and Cassidy try their motto for intimidation tactics. And compared to some other teams that do mottos, uh, this choreography is really lacking. Maybe if the floor show were better, people would remember Butch's name. And Tracy's like, oh, you're the other Team Rocket. Ash told me about you. Forgettable. <laughs> and the Pokemon battle begins. Delia and Mr. Mime, Tracy and Scyther, Professor Oak and Ash's Bulbasaur. And I find it interesting that Professor Oak is like, ah, yes, Bulbasaur, one of my oldest companions. Like, didn't he have Pokemon of his own? And then I thought about it. Forty years one of his oldest companions. There was a pretty large gap in the interim, but yeah, Samuel Oak has technically known Bulbasaur for about as long as any Pokemon as he caught himself, and, and recently known Bulbasaur quite well. But if we're talking in terms of time, Sam would have met Bulbasaur probably not long after starting on a journey with his own starter Pokemon. And as for Professor Oak's personal Pokémon, it, it doesn't ever seem he keeps a ton on hand. After all, he's not a competitor, he's not training them actively. He caught a random Pidgey on the way to Goldenrod once, but he probably spends more time with Ash and Gary's Pokémon these days. A and again, about 40 years since he was an active trainer, whatever that translates to, because we all know years in the Pokémon world are measured by slightly different rules, but... Puka, the blue-eyed Pikachu, was said to have been living for 40 years between those two big surfing waves, and after that 40-year gap was looking pretty aged. And we never see that Charmeleon, or possibly a Charizard now, hanging around the old man. So, it is entirely possible that the Pokémon that started with Sammy on his journey are no longer in this mortal realm, or have perhaps been released, or haven't battled with Professor Oak for some time now, may be off doing some other thing somewhere else. So that statement gains even more validity, that Bulbasaur is one of his oldest companions. But the point is that Butch and Cassidy are not only outnumbered, but with this team, 
completely outmatched. Like, really? And I guess battle skills run in the Ketchum family. Ash certainly thinks so. Um, Bulbasaur and Professor Oak are on point. Old Man Scyther is great with Tracy. And then Cyndaquil has an axe to grind over the fire extinguisher. It jumps in there. All in all, not bad. Go team. And then once the thieves are fully barbecued, Professor Oak's like, Oh, okay, Totodile. Water gun. Like, Totodile's just like, Yahoo! So all's well that ends well. Uh, Professor Oak even finishes his poem. I don't know why the English side felt the need to create some elder shipping here, but, like, there's this random narrator line, like, Mrs. Ketchum felt for sure that the love poem was about her. Because, like, it's not like the animation even, like, did a close-up on her face or Professor Oak's face or anything at that point, so. Like, I don't know what they were trying to do. Maybe it was Valentine's Day when they worked on this. Every girl likes to feel special now and again. But no one brings up the weird Professor Oak Bulbasaur ship that was also born of that line. Uh, But maybe it's for the best. I don't need to be reading that fanfiction. But yeah, an interesting look at uh, daily life at the Pokemon Corral. It's not perfectly idyllic. Every now and again, there is uh, outsiders causing trouble. And clearly there is a, a bit of a communication gap between... Professor Oak and Tracy and all the Pokemon. Like, hopefully they will learn from this. Although, I guess, to be fair, it really was Delia who was like, oh, he's he's busy, he can't come. Maybe if it had been Tracy at the window, Tracy would have, you know, roused Professor Oak immediately. But yeah, if they're not going to have a security system um, on all those Pokeballs, they really need to be coordinating a little bit better with the Pokemon, especially considering neither of these guys are these Pokemon's trainers. So it's not like they can just command Bulbasaur and the gang with complete authority. Like, they've got to communicate. They've got to work out some system and some expectations if they're going to defend their home against the likes of Team Rocket. But on the other hand, it is nice to see that the Pokemon, particularly Ash's team, are good enough at working together and kind of keeping an eye on things that they can basically protect themselves. Which is great, because one of the things that (laughs) I love about the show, and it's also kind of funny, is that when you take away all of Ash's Pokemon, he's actually extremely capable. (laughs) Like, it sometimes feels like his Pokemon team is holding him back, and he's like, letting that happen so that his Pokemon can get the experience. Whereas when they're not around, like, he just kind of does stuff himself and takes care of it. Like, again, whether it's sort of a conscious thing or an unconscious, like, I don't need to worry about that because someone else is doing it. Oh, Bulbasaur is gone. Well, I guess I have to step up, sort of a thing. However you interpret it, the fact is that the Pokemon rely on Ash for a lot of things. And it's nice to see that in a situation where Ash isn't around and Ash isn't telling them what to do or how to do it, and Ash isn't there to make sure everybody keeps up with their training or anything like that, that they've learned enough from him to be able to take care of the important things. So when stuff like this goes down, Bulbasaur knows, okay, I need Knocked Owl searching from the air, I need... I need it to be able to use its psychic senses. I need to go get Professor Oak. I need to, you know, do this or do that. And they're all capable of handling that situation. Like, that's nice to see. And it kind of highlights the ideal of the Pokemon training relationship, that they're not just 
it's not just about battling and the trainer isn't just there to help the Pokemon like level up or learn moves or whatever, but that interacting with this human being has taught the Pokemon to be a better version of themselves, and it's had an impact on them in ways that Ash didn't specifically sit down and teach. Like, that's cool. Anyway, we will leave it there for now and try to get back in order with our our uh, episode coverage. As always, if you want to comment on this episode or any other, you can visit us at pcappypodcast.blogspot.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter at pcappypodcast, or you can send an email to pcappypodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes or wherever your podcasts are downloaded and brought to your various devices. And if you're in the mood to give a, a rating or a review, that would be really lovely and help other people to, to find us and know this show is great. There are a lot of Pokemon things happening in the world, but not a lot of people in the real world knowing about them. So if this podcast can cause the joy of Pokemon fandom to fall across somebody's radar, that, that's always a good thing. But anyway, we're on, we're sort of binging and catching up on episodes, so I will head right back into Advanced Generation Episode 8, and I will talk to you all very, very soon. This has been Peak Happy Podcast. Gotta catch them all. <laughs>